This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from ClickOrlando.com, this is News 6 at 5.30. This is a News 6 Plus takeover. Here now is Matt Austin and Ginger Gadston with Florida's 4th Estate. Welcome back to Florida's 4th Estate. This time of year, everybody's thinking about one particular weekend. It's NFL Draft Weekend. It's where lives are changed, organizations are changed. And so Ginger and I were talking about how we could find maybe somebody who was drafted into a Florida organization who changed everything. And then Ginger happened to have somebody in their phone who I would say is like top of the list for people drafted to a Florida organization who changed things. I think I know a guy and I hope this guy will take my phone call. And we are lucky enough, I mean, fortunate enough to have the one and only Doug Williams. Oh, yeah. I cannot believe that he has has made the time for us here on Florida's fourth estate. Doug, you're the senior advisor with the Washington Commanders now, but we all know you as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. We know you as a groundbreaker. We know you as a guy who changed the sport of football forever. Thank you so much for joining us. How you doing? Thanks for having me, number one. I'm uh, doing good, doing well, you know, and uh you know, as long as I'm around football, see all these young guys come in, especially like, you know, the last few weeks, you know, the young guys, the 30 visits that the team has, get a chance to meet all these guys, man, and, and think about, you know, when my day was back in, what, 45 years or so ago and, and see these young guys coming here now uh, doing these interviews, it's, it's, it's a good feeling. Yeah, and what do you look forward to most around this time of year? Like when you see those guys come in, it's like new blood. Can you tell right away? Well, you know what? You get a chance to meet them up close in person. You find out where they're from, the school they went to, position they played, and just talk to them a little bit. Just trying to get a feel about who, who you're talking to. You you never know where, where they're going as far as uh, getting drafted, but you know they're visiting your team at this particular time, and you know, you would like to keep them all in here if you could, but at the same time, uh, they get a chance to go to a lot of other organizations to see what it's all about and, and understand what's at stake. But but it's a time where whatever position they play, that the coaches who coaches those positions get a chance to just talk to them about football and, and life and, and, you know, their home life and, and who they are as a person. Uh, I think it's a good time of the year. Very cool time of the year, Doug. And I know a lot of people were talking about you during a certain big game. The Super Bowl came, and for the first time ever, there were two black quarterbacks playing each other in the Super Bowl. I heard your name a lot on pretty much every broadcast <laughs> as the first black first black quarterback to win a Super Bowl. What was it like seeing that game 
uh, all these years later and that finally happening? You know, I, during that time, I got a lot of calls. I did a lot, a lot of interviews. And that's probably why you heard my name a lot. Uh, you know, it was one of those, um, it, was a, it, was, it was a good and a bad feeling when, I, when you realized that uh, Patrick punched his, his ticket to the Super Bowl and, you know, Jalen had already punched his. And uh, you realize, being myself, uh, 35 years before that, you know, I was the first black quarterback to play in that game. And now here we have two black quarterbacks to play in, in, in the biggest game of the year, kind of like Tony Dungy and, 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 and um, Lovey Smith, the two black coaches. You know, you, you get that feeling that history is being made. But at the same time, for me, you know, we're talking 35 years from the time I played in it until this, this year. Uh, I look at that as one thing, as a historical moment, but I also got to look at the NFL as a whole. And the NFL has been around over 100 years, and it took 60-some years for the first quarterback to play in the Super Bowl. You know, it's, it remind you, remind me of the players that played that position before me who had the talent to play the position but were denied the opportunity. And that's the first thing I thought about before I – you know, start celebrating those two guys in the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's pretty heavy, uh, Doug, uh, to have that realization. And then, you know, for a moment that should be just overjoyed for, for everyone, right? But then when you realize that it's happening and that you really paved the way for that to happen, because what do you think has changed because before there was a, pro- the NFL had a problem with even having someone like you in that position. And then once you got a shot, you just busted the door down for everyone else. Uh, I think I was lucky enough to go to an organization in Tampa with a coach who um, race wasn't important to him. It was about the player. Uh, he had played a, a black quarterback back in 1968 and Jimmy Jones. So I think coach McKay, um, and Joe Gibbs, who was on that staff my rookie yeah. year, and, and, and uh, you know, you think about those guys and, and, and you realize that, um, you know, it wasn't about color. They gave me an opportunity, and it was my job to take advantage of it. And I think what has transpired since that time, I think the mentality and the thinking of general managers and head coaches and the ownership has shifted a little bit to – hey, let's get the best guy possible to play this position. And there's no doubt in my mind, the two guys that played in the Super Bowl this year was two of the better quarterbacks in the National Football League. Doug, I appreciate your humility. You sort of give everybody else (laughs) the credit. Well, I found a coach who, you know, wasn't driven by race and that sort of thing. And I appreciate that humility. But I feel like you probably had a lot to do with it. Your talent, your skill probably made it so people – could not deny you, right? Well, you know what? And, and that brings me back to when I was coming out as a senior at Grambling State University. Uh, there was a guy that was interviewing Coach Robinson, and uh, he posed a question to Coach Robinson as to what would it take for Doug Williams to make it in the National Football League? And I know he had prepared himself for a long answer because Coach Robinson can, can give you a long answer. <laughs> uh, and Coach Robinson hit him with one word, and that word was, opportunity. Mm. And that's all he said. And, uh, you know, my job was, you know, to go out and, and, and perform the best of my ability. And, you know, I did it at Gremlin and, 
Coach Robinson, James Harris, and my oldest brother, it is still in me that, you know, it's football. It doesn't change. It's not a matter of color of your skin. If you go out and do your job and, and get it done. Don't worry about who's in the stands, who's writing stories and, and broadcasting stories. You know, I heard a lot of things during my five years in Tampa about me being the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, whether or not it was the color of my skin or the fact that I wasn't smart enough to get it done. Wow. You know, it is, it's so extraordinary. You obviously got the job done wherever you went, but can you talk a little bit more about your time in Tampa? What was that like? Wow. You know, when, when I left Gremlin, you know, I, I left Gremlin with the idea of I got an opportunity to play in the National Football League and, and really was not thinking about the things that I had to face. And just like uh, just a couple of Mon Mondays ago, I was in uh, Phoenix at the owners' meeting, and uh, we was on a panel, me and, and, and Steve Weiss and, and Maria Taylor and Anthony Smith, and we was talking about the black quarterback. And uh, the question came up about mental health, you know, something I never even talk about, you know, because it's, it's not as prevalent. Uh, it wasn't as prevalent back then as far as being noticed as it is today. And one of the questions that was posed to me was, what was my mental health was at that particular time? And it, it was so shocking because, you know, I I never told anybody about, about me because during that time, it was, it was a tough situation. And I was lucky enough to have uh, Eddie Robinson, uh, my oldest brother, Robert, and James Harris to, to call and talk to just about every night about the stuff that was happening and what I was going through and, you know, and how people looked at me and stuff. And, and they the one who kept me uh, in, in, in a straight and arrow way of keeping my head up high and in the game. And, you know, until I got to the point that I was, I guess I would say I was a big boy and I was able to handle it from there <laughs> and, and not worry about what people say or, or what people did or what people, letter you got and you read and stuff like that. I, I was able to overcome it. Yeah, yeah, you were. So was there one thing, I, I hear from a lot of athletes who had to, deal with some of the things some of the racism and stuff that you had to deal with and there might have been one statement or one thing they led in a uh, read in a letter that really affected them really motivated them is that did you have that stay with florida's fourth estate as doug williams explains what he got in the mail and how it changed him more on his transparent story and what it took to rise to the top of his game continues next stay with us This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system.
Welcome back to Florida's Fourth Estate. We are talking to former Tampa Bay Bucks player Doug Williams. He was the first black quarterback to start and win a Super Bowl and went on to become an NFL executive. Today, he is walking down memory lane with Matt and I. Was there one thing, I, I hear from a lot of athletes who had to deal with some of the things, some of the racism and stuff that you had to deal with, and there might have been one statement or one thing they led in a, uh, read in a letter that really affected them, really motivated them. Is that, Did you have that? Yeah, it, it, that's amazing because, um, you know, one of the things that sticks out to me uh, from then and to this day, uh, you know, you think about people in this world, but, you know, you look at where we are today in the landscape of, of America and, and the vision that we have, and, and you wonder why it's like that. But to, to order to sit there as a young man, as an uh, athlete, playing the game of football, and you receive a nice box, nice wrap box, I mean, it was it was whoever took their time to do whatever. And to open it up, and, and there's a rotten watermelon in it and a letter mm. that, that uh, accompanied, accompanied, and it says, throw this to the end. They probably could catch this. And, you know, that was something that would always stick with me, and I always remember it. And there was no return address or anything. And from that day on, uh, any letter that I got without a, a return address, I, I did not open it. I just threw it in the trash can. Wow. wow. Okay. I, I don't think I've ever heard that story before, but of course they're not going to have a return address because those coward. people are cowards. Yeah. That's what they are. But I, I feel like when somebody does something like that to someone like you, that is even more motivation to go out and perform uh, beyond even your expectations. Did that motivate you? It did, you know, but, but it reminded me as, um, as an 18 year old in, in Louisiana and uh, my brother, oldest brother, and I, I mentioned him earlier, Rob Williams was, was my baseball coach. And I was playing, I had already signed a scholarship with Graham as, as a football player, but I played summer baseball with, with a team that he was coaching after integration. He had moved to this high school, Central High School. And uh, myself and another teammate of mine, Sherman Floyd, was the only two blacks on that team. And we was the, the first two guys of color to integrate American Legion baseball in in, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And uh, we was playing out in Denham Springs. I know you might not know that much about Denham Springs, but <laughs> we Denham Springs at that time was the hometown of the Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan's. And, and, you know, and, and we was out there and, and we was playing a game and we was the only blacks in there. Uh, the Grand Dragon name was David Dukes. I know you've heard that name. Uh, yeah, oh, have. yeah. And, um, you know, the stands was packed. And we the only two blacks in the where my brother, too, was there. My dad was there. So it was about four, four blacks in the stand, in, in, in the stadium, let me say that. And a couple of things transpired uh, during the game where, um, you know, one of the players, I was sliding home, and he took his glove to catch his mitt, and he slapped me side of my head. And, and the people in the stand was, was – Stand up, clapping, and say, "Yep, yeah, that's the way to do that." In, you know, stuff like that. And and you know, my next time at bat, my my brother just all he told me was, "Hey, show him who you are." And uh, you know, I hit a double off the wall. You know, and <laughs> went in and slid into there second base. And and as time went on, the game got to a point where I was playing playing uh, third base, and and the same guy that that <laughs> took his catcher mitt and slapped me. You know, I was able to do the same thing to him coming down third base, you know, and, and, you know, everybody was upset and all. And after the game, 
I was in the car with my brother. We was driving home. It was like a two-lane highway in Dennis Springs at that particular time. And about four guys in the truck pulled up behind us to our bumper, you know, bumper to bumper. But what they didn't know that my dad was behind us. And at that time, my dad got on their bumper. So we had in between <laughs> oh us. Oh, my God. And um, all of a sudden, you know, they just ran off the road, you know, because they realized what was going on. But, you know, it's just stuff like that 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 you remember, you know, forget, and you just live with you, I regret and hate that you went through all those hard times and had to go through what you went through, but it made you the player and the man you are today. Do you, would you go, what would you change if you could go back and change anything that got you to where you are right now? What would that be? You know what? When I look back on where, what I've done, what I've been through in order to get where I am, I, really there's nothing I can change or would change because if I change anything, I don't know where I'd be sitting in the same seat that I'm sitting in today. You would think after all of these years and all of these successful black quarterbacks who have come in and done the job and done it well, that we would be sort of over the stigma. But then you still see things happening. A lot. It's been brought up a lot with Lamar Jackson, Jackson and his contract dispute. Jalen Hurts, nobody thought he would come in and be a quarterback who would do what he has done. Are people still, do we still have a long ways to go in this? Do you feel that? I think we've come a long ways. There's no doubt about that, but I think we got ways to go. It's And, and I look at it from a, more than one um, different direction. I look at it from the player standpoint. I do believe in the National Football League, like this year, this past season, uh, we started 11 uh, black quarterbacks in the league. Um, and you look at this year's draft, the top three guys, top four guys, five, you know, with Hooker and 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 – and the three, three guys that are consensus uh, top three, uh, I feel like in the next five to ten years, we're going to be – we're going to have over half of the quarterbacks in the league playing uh, football in, in, in this league as, as a black quarterback. And it's not about the color of their skin. It's about what they can do and how well they can play. I think that is big. Now, the thing I'm looking at is uh, what about some of the guys that is not starters? You know, we know about the starters. You know, you got a lot of young black quarterbacks that don't get the opportunity to to develop, to be that backup or third guy on these teams. And after that, you know, we don't get the chance to sit there and hold that clipboard and eventually become head coaches. See, those are things that are missing that, that I look at that I hope get better down the road. Yeah, and it's thanks to you that a lot of that is happening too, even though you don't want to take credit for it or, or think that you had a whole lot to do with it. But you, you know, you showed the world exactly what you were made of. And it, I think it gave other people opportunity to say, okay, let's see what we can accomplish here. I want to talk to you a little bit about some of the ridiculous things that people used to ask you back in the day, Doug. Um, one of my favorites, and I know you know which one this is. I think there was a report because when you were the first, the one and the only, like people just, you were such a novelty, right? So they didn't even know what to ask you. Did someone really ask you how long you had been a black quarterback? It did. Uh, you know, a lot of people would, <laughs> would, 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 a lot of people would debunk that. And, and, you know, that's their own feeling. But there are so many people that I do know that were standing around me. Uh, the guy name was Butch Jones. Bless his soul. He, uh, he passed away. He used to write for the, the uh, Mississippi, Jackson, Mississippi paper, the Clarion Legend. And I knew him. And um, I think what happened with Butch, and, and that's how I answered his question, I think 
what happened with him. He was in such a rush to get the question in because so many people were standing around. And he didn't put exactly what he wanted to put on it. He just immediately just canceled how long he's been a black quarterback. And I knew what he meant because he knew I went to Grambling. And uh, I said, well, just just as long as I've been playing the pro because when I was at Grambling, I was just, just the quarterback. And then and, and that was understood, you know. Uh, but but Butch, out before he passed away, uh, he called me. We had a good good conversation, and he apologized to me by saying that he he's sorry that he asked that question the way it came out, but he appreciated the way I answered it because I didn't try to embarrass him or anything like mm-hmm. that. I tried to answer it gracefully, and and I did, you know, because I knew exactly where he was coming from. I can't yeah, think I- of a better answer in that situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, grambling it's I was so just a quarterback <laughs> that is that is perfect what a great ambassador to oh the game God. Doug Williams <laughs> where you know I know you won your Super Bowl with Washington I know you work there now but we always claim you you're a Buccaneer oh, for sure in Florida for sure. We, we, we don't even know you about know what? it I, you know I never forget Tampa because you know that's where I got my start at and um you know if you had told me that I would have been out of Tampa after five years I would have told you was lying because you know, I couldn't think of a better place to be and a better team to be on. I had so many teammates that, that you know, was just like brothers to me. I, just this morning, you know, Jimmy Giles and myself, we was on the phone talking. Uh, you know, I, that's a friendship that I made in 1978, and uh, that's still a close friendship with me, you know. And there's so many guys that I play with that it's just like brothers, man. You you can't get that. And that's what Tampa gave me when I first stepped into the league and, and made me understand what, what this was all about. Thank you for, for everything you've done for not just the sport, but for, for just us in general. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Appreciate you. And thank you for watching Florida's Fourth Estate. You can download it from wherever you listen to podcasts or watch anytime on News 6+. Plus.